Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, good time for a mailbag, especially if you're a Bucks fan. My, oh my, have Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich stirred them up over there. We've got a ton of questions and queries about the Bucks and their situation and the coaching situation and all of that coming up on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. So I'm not even going to try to you know, stall this any longer. Let's get started, Steve. All right. Well, we'll start with UK Bucks. You said, Rick, what happened to this team from what we saw in Germany? Is Monday night against the Saints now in the must-win category? Well, I think if they don't win, they're going to find themselves uh, – pretty shortly out of first place. And and if you look at the Saints, which is not a good team, but not that far behind them, they would also now become one of the contenders for the NFC South. Look, I'm convinced that the NFC South is probably going to have a, a you know a champion under 500. Uh, and if not, they're, they're going to be 9 and 8. But they're probably they're more likely going to be 8 and 9, I think. But regardless, they'll call them champions and they'll get a home playoff game. And so that's what you're really playing for. But if you kind of look at the schedule and you say, okay, so they've beaten the Saints, so they have the tiebreaker on them. If they could beat them again, that, that sort of eliminates the Saints from the Bucks, you know, situation with a tie or anything like that. So it's a big game in that sense. Um, just the fact that, you know, you laid the egg, so to speak, or, or, you know, lost a very winnable game in Cleveland, and now you've lost to Cleveland and Carolina and bad teams. Yeah, you've got to get a win. I mean, you've got to get going. There's there's only, what, they played 11 games. There's there's only seven more. Uh, and so, you know, you, you just, you're running out of opportunities to get wins. You've got to stack wins. You've got you to get up around, you know, nine, ten wins or something if you're going to win this division and try to separate from teams like Atlanta. That's what was at stake the other day. They could have had a two-game lead on the Falcons if they finished that game and win Cleveland. No matter how ugly it was, no matter, you know, if that fourth down play get pass gets knocked away or something like that, you know, the Bucks are sitting here and they're they're pretty happy. They're, you know, they're 6 and 5. Um they've got a two-game lead on Atlanta. They've got a win over Atlanta. So, they're sort of steamrolling to the playoffs and they would have won 3 in a row. Now, you take a step back and now, yeah, kind of is. And the reason is because after this one, so they play Monday night, right? Uh, and so Tuesday is, you know, the players' day off. They're going to practice Wednesday, Thursday, do the kind of the walkthrough, not really a walkthrough, but a practice on Friday, get on a plane Friday, fly to the West Coast, and you got to play the 49ers, man. You know, and the 49ers got everything at stake, and, and they're a great defense. You don't have Tristan Wirfs. You're down to Donovan Smith on your starting offensive line as the only guy that's been back for the last two years when you made the playoffs and won a Super Bowl. He's not playing well. Look at that defensive line out there in San Francisco. Yeah, I don't think the math works because, you know, I always say this, it's a week-to-week league. So when you win, you feel like, well, I can beat anybody on the schedule. But when you lose, you can lose to anybody on the schedule. And that includes New Orleans, who 
even though the Bucks snapped that seven-game losing streak against them, at home they've been that streak is alive. The Saints have have come into Raymond James and given them a bigger beatdown in Tampa than they have in New Orleans. You know, I can remember thirty-four to three games. I mean, and and defensively, that's their strength right now. You know, they're missing some offensive players. Quarterback situation isn't good. Jameis isn't playing. It's Andy Dalton. But defensively, they still got some dudes. I mean, you know, Marshawn Lattimore, you know, gets Mike Evans into such a lather that he get he's been suspended and, and ejected, you know, in, in two of those games. So this is a big game. I don't know. Must win usually comes down to if you don't win, you're out of the playoffs. They're not there yet. They're not. There's still enough runway to get this thing off the ground. How, however, they better start beating the teams that, you know, are in their division and and dominate their division if they can't win outside of it so that when they get to tiebreakers and things like that, they, they have the advantage and they can make the playoffs regardless of what the record is at that point. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's must win, but it, it is very critical win. Um, and and it's before the nation and, and, you know, everybody every day, every week's a referendum on some team. So we'll see. But um, not a must win, but a, but a very critical win. All right, Jim asked, has anyone spoke with or asked Bruce Arians how he feels about this season and his decision to lob the job to Todd Bowles? Dare to take a guess at the Bucks' record thus far had Bruce Arians remained as the head coach? Well, that's a great question. Um, I have sp- spoken to Bruce at times, and he's been very frustrated, as you would imagine. Um, you know, he, he's very loyal to Byron Leftwich. He's very protective of him, but he also recognized that that's the business, that when you don't win, you're going to get this sort of criticism. Byron t- tends to pay it no mind the way Bruce did. My own personal feeling, he wants to know what the record would have been if Bruce – listen, um, it's all revisionist history now, but I always believed that there was a component of Tom Brady – you know, maybe feeling more comfortable, maybe more likely to come back if, um, again, I've always said this, yeah, I don't think he ordered a code red and told, you know, it's, it's Bruce or me. I don't think that's how it went down. Um, you know, Bruce is 70 years old, had a health scare in October, thought he was having a heart attack. Uh, it turned out to be pericarditis, which is an inflammation of the heart. Um, spent two or three days in the hospital, has the Achilles issue. So there, there's physical things that got him out of coaching in the first place and he's lost 50 pounds and he feels better and he sleeps better. And so I think he did it for a lot of reasons. I don't think there was a singular reason, right? The one he stated was I've always wanted to have an ascension plan. I've always a succession plan. I've always wanted to my guys, right? My coaching staff, my guys to, to get the opportunity. And I'm pissed off that, you know, the NFL's record of hiring minority coaches these last few years has just been awful and at, and at Bowles and, and Byron Leftwich, while they got some interviews, didn't get hired. And here's an opportunity to give one of them a head coaching job and, and, and keep the staff intact. In, in so I think this, there is some altruistic you know, reasons why Bruce would do this. But I just think that B.A., you know, while him and Tom didn't see eye to eye, and I think it annoyed Tom that B.A. wasn't more hands-on, I think Tom felt like some of the discipline really slipped under B.A. And that's, you know, that's one man's interpretation of it if you're Tom Brady. But I think B.A. was good for Tom Brady. And, and I mean that in the sense that 
He didn't have any sacred cows. He does not care who you are. Um, if you're, you know, he says it all the time. You got it from Bear Bryant. You know, you, you know, you uh, cuss him out and hug him up later. You know, coach him hard, hug him up later is actually what he says. But that for Bruce, it usually means the opposite. Uh, you know, cuss him and then hug him up. And and you know, from the first week when they went to New Orleans, Tom was here and everybody made a big deal about it. When he said, oh, you know, he missed a throw there, a bad read here. They're like, oh, how do you criticize Tom Brady? Well, I think Tom Brady wants to be coached hard. And I think, you know, that I, I don't know. I don't know how much it would have been interesting to see if Tom, if, if Bruce would have said, you know, go ahead and take 10 days off in training camp, you know, and go ahead and do this and that. Go ahead and go to, you know, I don't, there's not many things they've said no to Tom about, but I do think that everybody else in that room, uh, when, when Bruce got up to speak and started calling guys out, they it would have been a little different, you know. I think they're a little too familiar with Todd Bowles. I think a lot of them played for him as a coordinator. Now they see him as a head coach. It's difficult, and he's not the same personality. He does it a different way, which is fine. There's no right way to coach. But I just wonder if B.A. wouldn't have, you know, broken a few vocal cords by now because he could get – he could get their attention. And in the way you knew it was they would repeat what he was telling them. You'd hear it in the locker room. Everybody say the same thing. He was really good at delivering a message to the team, really good at sort of knowing where the team is, you know, kind of what they need at the, at the time, whether it's a kick in the butt or a hug. You know, he he kind of understood that. So, I mean, look, one guy is a, is a borderline hall of fame coach and that's Bruce Arians, a two time NFL coach of the year. The other guy had one winning season with the Jets, and I don't know if he's going to have a winning season this year with the greatest quarterback that ever lived. So if you're asking me, you know, if if everything was the same, well, you may not have Tom Brady, so that, that would have changed the dynamic of the season. It would have been Kyle Trask. It would have been Blaine Gabbert. And you can't convince me they were a playoff team without Brady. Uh, but if it were Brady and Arians coexisting again, I don't I don't know. I mean because again, Bruce was was sort of the guy that was supposedly let things slip. Um but I sure liked him on a podium. I sure liked him calling players out by name. You know, I I sure liked the way he would set the tone each week and and tell the team and do it through the media whatever and he would do it in meetings too. Tell them exactly how they needed to get their butts in gear. Um I think this offense would look different. I think a lot of things would be different. And there are different ways to coach. I'm not saying Todd Bowles, which everybody should give up on him. He's a bad head coach. But, yeah, I mean, B.A. is one of the best coaches of all time, in my opinion. I mean, he's, like I said, he's borderline Pro Football Hall of Fame. If he stayed and won another Super Bowl, he'd be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That's just that's just the way it goes. So it's interesting it's a, it's an if it's sort of a hypoth- total hypothetical and you got to also factor in the fact that BA is older and 70 years old and may not have been as invigorated and may not have been the same BA we saw when he came in here in 2019 um but I would have signed up to watch him coach this team and I don't think their record would be any worse than 5 and 6 I can tell you that right now All right Matt asks do you think the coaches are in over their heads do you think the players have given up on them what's the feeling in the locker room Okay, they they haven't given up on them. 
and that's that's usually the the telltale sign. If you want to know when a coach is uh, you know a dead man walking, it's when you see players that have, and it's pretty obvious to watch because when you go out there on Sundays, they start making business decisions. And what I mean by that is they don't stick their face in the fan. If some running back's coming at them, uh, they're you know they get the red cape and start playing matador, and and you know they're not taking guys on, and they're not um, being physical, and they're not then you see the lack of effort and stuff like that. I haven't seen that. I mean, we talk about the play that, you know, Devin White had against the Ravens and things, you know, isolated plays. But for the most part, these guys are into it, you know. They're playing hard. They're not winning and they're not playing smart. Um, but they're playing hard. So you don't lose until you, until you see guys, like I said, until you see guys' effort just drop across the board. And there'll be one or two, and they're making a mistake because the next coach is evaluating that film too. I mean, this is their job after all, right? Like, we don't always come to work and, you know, we're, we're 100% invested in that day. Um, but, but in the National Football League, you, you better keep your, your chin strap on tight and, and when you come to work or you're going to get your block knocked off and then somebody's going to take your job. Because someone's always going to take your job in the NFL. And so... I I don't think they're as locked in as they need to be, um, but you know that's on coaches, and, and I don't think they're over their heads. I, I think they both. I look, they know football, right? It's just football. Like I'm always interested. Like, well, this guy, and but it is true, they're different jobs, right? This guy's a great defense coordinator. This guy's a great offense coordinator. You make him head coach, doom, he stinks. Why? It's not the same job, right? It's just not. Like, it might be. It might be a, you know an indicator that this guy really knows football and we should consider making him a head coach, but just because you go from offensive or defensive coordinator where you excelled doesn't guarantee you success as a head coach because you set the tone. So much comes before your desk. You're responsible for all of it. You know, there was no offensive coordinator sitting up there when Todd Bowles decided not to call timeout, you know, at the end of regulation. Bowles had to answer for that. That's why you get paid to do it, to make those decisions. You know, Jeff Saturday just made a, a cataclysm, same kind of thing. He had a bunch of timeouts in his pocket. He could have burned one of them, regrouped, had a critical fourth down play that looked like crap. And he said, well, I just didn't think time was an issue. Well, it was. And you had, you know, you can't go home with those timeouts. Um, so there's a lot that goes on with it. And, you know, they haven't handled some of those situations very well. I mean, I don't know how to sugar. You know, as Bill Parcells has said, you don't have to sit here and predict what guys like. We don't have to sit here and go, "Well, Todd Bowles is the greatest coach," or "Todd Bowles is going to be a really good." The record's going to tell you who he is. And right now, he's a five and six coach with the Bucks, and he had one winning season in four years with the Jets. That's who he is, you know. So I don't think they're over their heads because they they get football, they get what the job is, they get all that stuff. Um, but there's some something lost in translation because if this team is as talented as they say it is. Okay, and they say it often. It's not about talent. Then it has to be about coaching to some degree, and and yet all this entire staff is the same staff that coached and won a Super Bowl, coached and went to the playoffs and and, and won a playoff game. Um, so they're the same guys, but uh, over their heads, no. It's just a different. It's just different, man. It's a different job. All right, we'll continue with our questions. But first, I want to remind you guys, uh, if you want to save money on your electric bill, we have the solution for you. It's May Electric Solar. 
They're a family-owned and operated business. They've been installing solar electric systems in this area for a dozen years. There's a lot of these companies out there knocking on your door, but May Electric Solar is committed to you for the long term. They guarantee, that's right, guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty. Something goes wrong, Billy May and his guys are back up there fixing it, no cost to you. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances. That right there is the May difference. If you visit their Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all their products that conduct on-site testing. You can see what they're going to install. Plus, they don't use subcontractors. This is so important. You know who's going to do the job. They work for May Electric. They work for Billy May. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts at May Electric Solar, 727-819-2862. and schedule a free estimate. Lower your electric bill all year long. Preserve the quality of your life and that of your appliances. May Electric Solar, 727-819-2862. All right, Mike tweeted us. He said, if you could point to a specific turning point that led us to what's going on now, what would it be? Brady's retirement, unretirement, Bruce Arians stepping aside, a loss to the Rams in the playoffs, loss of offensive starters, including Gronkowski, or something else? Wow, what a great question. Um, specific turning point. Well, if you're going to include the unretirement, I mean, that is the point, right? Like, that is where everything began, in a sense, because they were headed down one road with Bruce Arians still coaching the team, okay? And Bruce has stated this, that if, if Tom had remained out, that he wasn't going to turn it over to anybody. He was going to coach Kyle Trask. He was going to coach Blaine Gabbert because he didn't think it would be fair to hand, you know, that over to a new head coach, without Tom Brady, that that those two quarterbacks maybe not be ready, um, you know, to win enough games to get in the playoffs, et cetera. So uh, that's a turning point, right? The, Brady unretiring changed the entire dynamic of not just the team but the coaching staff. So, and again, didn't order the code red. I don't think he gave him an ultimatum, but he made it known somehow uh, in my mind that, you know what, this would be a good time for this. And I think Bruce agreed. However, that decision came about, you know, if he woke up one day and said, you know, I'm really tired of coaching, I think I should hand it to Todd, or I don't know. But I know Brady coming back out was a factor. So to me, that's that's the turning point of this season. Um, you know, the loss in the playoffs last year was supposed to be their inspiration, was supposed to be about communication and accountability and things like that. And they really haven't had it. Um, I also think this, too, that... Whatever problems, and we know now that Tom and, and Giselle are divorced, it's a big deal. It's a big deal, man. Because the most prepared in him, and still, he can walk out there tomorrow, the next day, the next day, and, and never practice, and he'd still be the most prepared quarterback in the NFL. Why? Because he's seen everything. No one's played 23 years. You can't give that to Lamar Jackson. You can't give that to Patrick Mahomes, as talented as they are, Right? Tom Brady's still the most prepared because of his his life experience, his football experience, his seven Super Bowl or six was it six Super Bowl wins now, um, or no, it's seven now, isn't it? I don't know, I've lost track. Um, and and all the all the big games he's played in, no one else can get that right. So he's still if he rolls out of bed and hits the ground, he's the most prepared quarterback in the NFL. But he could not have had the same routine, the same amount of commitment to preparing because of his personal life and I think that's a big story you know 
because you hear a lot of things about, you know, how are Mike Evans and him not on the same page? Why hasn't a third receiver emerged? Why is who? You know why? Because they haven't practiced, man. I'm going back to Allen Iverson. I know, I know what we're talking about. We're talking about practice. I know it's important. I do. We're talking about practice, man. But in the NFL, chemistry is such a big thing between quarterbacks and receivers and trust between Brady and everybody that he can only build that on the practice field, right? He always says this, I love the game because I love the preparation. I love the process. Well, he abandoned the process. And you can say, well, he only missed like what would have been about five or six practices, to be honest. Okay, but that's not how Tom Brady used to prepare. Tom Brady didn't take days off. Tom Brady didn't take weeks off during the beginning of training camp, right? So something's different there. And so the personal thing can't be ignored. It, it just, you know, again, we'll never know what we don't know. But if anybody's been through a divorce, as I have and others, and there's children involved, it is a, you know, we've seen the weight losses. It is a, it is a gut-wrenching, you know, thing that you go through that affects every facet of your life, especially work. It just does. And for us to sit here and act like, and I'm not blaming him. I mean, you know, people have stuff in their life. There's guys on that team that have lost family members, mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters. Like something happens. They're just not as publicized. We don't, we don't write about them all the time. We don't know about them all the time. But in Tom Brady's case, you know, it was New York Post and everywhere else. But so other guys have things they're going to, but not that guy. Like that guy, that was unique. Um, it's his third year. There's a little bit, I think the bloom is off the rose a little bit. These guys are comfortable now. They know him. Um, he's a human being just like they are. But him going through some stuff is also a big part of it. So those two things, him re- unretiring and then the personal side, I think all of it. And then, you know, we can talk about injuries. So really there's three facets because if you don't lose Ryan Jensen, um, if you don't lose Shaq Barrett, you know, for this, I'm talking about for the season, right? It's just different. Right, the mood. If Ali Marpet doesn't retire, you know, then every everything is different. You know, Alex Kappa, sure you could replace him with Shaq Mason, whatever. But you know, there's really, it's not the same team. Gronk being gone, right? You can't just dismiss that. Like the notion that that Bowles inherited a Super Bowl team, he didn't. Okay, he didn't, because there's massive elements of that Super Bowl team and even the playoff team the year before that are gone. They're not in football, and certainly they're not in Tampa. So he didn't inherit that. He inherited a quarterback capable of doing it, but he didn't inherit a Super Bowl team. And I think that was a mistake, you know, Bruce sort of acknowledging that, I'm well, I'm leaving you, Tom Brady, I'm leaving you a Super Bowl team as opposed to one with Kyle Trask and Blaine Gabbert. But it's not a Super Bowl team. And, and so that's the other thing you have to consider. It's, so there's, it's never one thing. Um, turning point, I don't think we've reached that turning point yet. You know, we could see maybe they go out and they blast the New Orleans Saints and have such a good time doing it that they never look back and they win the rest of the games. Then that would be the turning point, right? Um, so they haven't had one yet, but there's there's several markers that are so important as to why the season is where it is. And I think those are just three or four that come to mind. All right, Ellis tweeted. He says, despite the defense routinely being on the field too much while also holding teams to 20 points a game, the Bucks have lost six times. Is the problem the offensive roster, the execution, or the play calling? Again, you know, 
The answer is yes. I mean, it's kind of all of them, man. And the defense, I have a tough time blaming a defense that allows as few points as these guys have. Now, could they have closed out games better? Absolutely. You know, they, they're, they have become sort of renowned for giving it up late. But let's think about that. Okay, so you're giving it up late. Why are you giving up late? Well, how many three and outs does this offense have in games that they lose? A bunch. A ton. I think they went three and out seven or nine times, something like that, the other day. Uh, when you don't make first downs, you know, the, the, I think the possession before they gave the ball back to Cleveland to drive down and score the tying touchdown, I think they held it for under 25 seconds. You know, they ran, they threw a couple of passes that were incomplete and no clock ran at all, you know. Um, so the defense is on the field too much. And while they, you know, there's been injuries to them as well, like Shaq Barrett and others. So I don't, you know, the offensive roster is young in areas they don't need to be. Like you want to check that box too with Luke Gedeke and guys. Robert Hainsey, that's part of it. But with respect to the defense, I just think that those guys have gotten worn down. And when you win games, you need a closer. You know, like Gruden used to say, I need a Mariano Rivera, man. Who's my Mariano Rivera coming out of the bullpen and shutting it down? That's what I need. You know who that was? One of those guys was Shaq Barrett. You know, when you get in the fourth quarter and you're up by a score or two scores and a team has to drive the length of the field, whatever, and they know they got to throw the ball, the best defense against that is that closer, the guy that's going to come off the edge, sack that quarterback, get them in a bad down and distance, and you win the game, right? And it's a huge loss. He just played his best game. You don't have an elite edge rusher right now. That's a problem because <laughs> the good teams all do. You could start naming them. Um. So they need the closer. They need to play fewer plays. And they need an offense and score more than 17 damn points. I mean, we said this again. They, you know, the Bucks gave up a first possession drive to the Browns. And by the way, it's the sixth time the Browns have taken the kick, not a kickoff, but whatever their first possession was in a game and driven it down for a touchdown. Six times. So this is kind of, they're good on offense, what they do. But for the rest of the game, they give up a field goal. I mean, it's a 10 points are on the scoreboard for the Browns with 32 seconds left. 10. I find it really hard to beat up the defense, which, by the way, is run by the same guy everybody thinks can't coach, and that's Todd Bowles. You know, he's doing two jobs. Now, that might be a criticism of his. Is like maybe you're stretched too thin. Maybe you need to just be a head coach. And he wanted to be. But he didn't have enough time. Part of the, the thing that screwed up the Bucks with, with Bruce Arians kind of at the last minute saying, I'm not coaching, I'm going to give it to Todd Bowles. Is Bowles didn't have a chance to go out and get coaches to coach his defense. He's got guys on staff he could have promoted. He's got co-coordinators and stuff like that. But it's not the same thing. He felt like, I'm the best equipped to do the job. I'm going to continue to be the defensive play caller. But that took away all his other responsibilities as head coach. So, there's again, Never one thing, but I, I, I would, I would lean, lean towards the offense has hung this defense out to dry all year because they don't, they don't maintain possession, and more than that, they don't score points. All right, Carl tweeted us. He said, setting aside the question of time management at the end of the overtime loss to the Browns and assuming the NFL is primarily an entertainment business, 
Is the current Bucks coaching no-biscuit philosophy a disservice to fans who are starved for entertaining football this entire season? Well, I mean, look, um, you have a choice with your dollar, right? And you can go see a movie or you can go see whatever you spend it any way you want to. There is, I, I think the NFL is a brand and I think it is the entertainment business. But if you're talking about like, I would, you know, you're a fan, you like, well, I like what, what Kansas City's doing or I like what the Miami Dolphins are doing. I like what's the difference. Why can't we do that? Because you don't have the same players. You know, you don't have the same quarterback, same coach, same philosophy. Um, but the league itself, when you go to a game, you're going to see a brand. Like, you you know these two teams are highly competitive. You know, everyone on each roster is what? An NFL player, right? They're the upper one-half of 1%, whatever it is. And so they're, the games themselves are competitive. You can, you can argue about, like, well, it's, you know, like this year – uh, rushing, you know, is up and scoring is way down. And there's always this paradigm shift between offense and defense, right? And for the most part, the NFL likes a lot of offense, and you, you understand why. But the defense always re- adjusts, you know. And you know, would you like to see Brady throw it, you know, sixty yards a few more times a game? Well, if there's guys open, yes. But you can't just be back there exposed to unnecessary hits. Um, but somewhere in there is the mama bear. Like that, you can also you can attack and also protect your quarterback, your forty-five year old quarterback. But you still got to attack. So, I I don't think the teams decide what what their plan is based on whether they see what the attendance is that day. I really don't. I I, I don't see the correlation. You buy the NFL, you buy the brand. If the Bucks are your team, you root for the Bucks. Come hell or high water, um, and and I think. If Brady's on the field, it is entertaining because he's still the best that ever do it. Did it, and he's still like third in passing yards, and he still has the most. He's going to end up with the most passing attempts in the league this year. So, there's lots to be entertained in those games. Of course, if you're a fan, you just want him to win. I get that, um, but I don't think it necessitates like, oh, let's just throw it every down because there's so many people. The stadium's full. Let's do it. You're trying to win. Hello, you play to win the game, and that's that's just the way it is. And if you win enough games. They keep people keep coming back because they're having a hell of a good time in the, in the uh, you know, in the seats. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33 percent with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, Jeff emailed us. He said it's simple. When we hire a proven NFL head coach, we win. Tony Dungy, John Gruden, Bruce Arians. When we reach, Greg Schiano, Lovey Smith, Raheem Morris, Todd Bowles, Byron Lefwich. Seeing this movie, it will end badly. Wait till Tom Brady leaves and the cap hits. Well, I was going to say that I, I think regardless of who the coaches are or have been, when Tom Brady leaves, the cap is hitting. I mean, you know, and, and it wouldn't have mattered who Tom Brady's coach was, that was going to happen, right? Because you're going to go for it. You're at the end of Brady's career. 
you didn't expect him to leave New England after 20 years. He came here. It's your obligation to try to put the best team around him to win right now, right? Because there's only right now with a 40, at that time, 43, now 45-year-old quarterback. So that has nothing to do with coaching. That's that's just built in, right? That's in that's in the cake already, so to speak. Uh, the other things are <clears throat> that, um, you know, each coach is different, right? So we've kind of gone through these cycles of who'd you have last, you know? And, and we've said this about USF. Like, I will bet you a dollar to a donut, whoever they hire at USF to replace Jeff Scott, I'll know one thing about him that you can put on his resume right freaking now and you know what that is he's been a head coach he's mm-hmm. been a head coach whoever they hire will have been a head coach why because they just did the on the job training thing and it failed miserably so you always try to get what you don't have what you didn't have that didn't work right um you could get a company older coach um you know uh and a character of some kind like Let's take John Gruden, for example. Now, there's a lot. Here's the other thing. There's a lot of reasons why people go for certain coaches, okay? Mm-hmm. So they had Gruden, and Gruden won a Super Bowl. Yay. People loved him. You know, Bon Jovi's up there playing my life. And so he's got it rolling. And he wins, he wins three division titles. But in six years, man, the down years were horrible. They were horrible. And he brings in his own, own GM, and he always wants free agents, and, and on and on and on and on. And then all of a sudden, the Glazers' priorities changed because they bought Man U, and they've got a huge debt service. And there's three uncapped years, which means they can charge a do- they can pay payroll a dollar or $300 million. But they hadn't, didn't have that in the NFL. So they look around, and they go, well, we've got to get somebody we can control, somebody that's not like John Gruden. Well, who's not like John Gruden? How about somebody that's never coached before? What if we promote somebody? They won't ask for a lot of money. They won't ask for a lot of free agents. That's how you get Raheem Morris because he's he's opposite mm-hmm. of John Gruden. So I think teams tend to ride, roll, ride the roller coaster, right? And when it goes crazy, when you have crazy in the building, Greg Schiano, right? Everything was crazy. MRSA, you know, toes on the line, blowing the whistle, all that. Now you want stability, right? He's somebody that knows what it looks like. Somebody that's been there, done that. Like somebody that knows what the Bucks are supposed to look like. Let's get Lovey Smith, a calm, gentler. It's, I remind, it reminds me of like, you know, you had Watergate and Nixon resigns, and mm-hmm. they needed they needed Gerald Ford for a couple of years just to calm things the hell down, you know. And so Lovey was sort of their Gerald Ford, if you will. So I think that's more about. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at hiring cycles, they're just they they kind of they kind of run the gamut of, of what owners feel they need at that time and what they can sell to yeah. the public. Well, I also think there's some revisionist history in that post. For instance, he said talk about hiring a proven NFL coach. Tony Dungy wasn't a proven NFL coach when he got hired here. That's absolutely a good point. And Lovey Smith was. I mean, he took Chicago to a Super Bowl. Was there for nine years. Average nine and a half wins mm-hmm. in Chicago. Now mm-hmm. you know he didn't do well here. Mm-hmm. And so you're saying you reached for him, but he had he had been a proven mm-hmm. NFL head coach. Not a reach at all. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, you could say his last few years in Chicago weren't great. Okay, you can make that argument, of course. But, you know, he had been a head coach, like you said, for nine years and went to a Super Bowl. Yeah. No, that's a good point. The, the, that, that is a, a faulty characterization to put Dungy in the experience category. Never been a head coach. In fact, he didn't interview. He was their third choice here. The first choice was Steve Spurrier. 
then Jimmy Johnson, uh, or maybe it was Johnson, then Spurrier. And, and Dungy had not one, not two. He had to have three interviews because they were so nonplussed by his, his you know, interview skills and sort of like, yeah, but he's just kind of a, you know. But the more they talked to him, the more they realized he was the right guy for their job. Uh, but he had, he had interviewed for like, I think this was his ninth head coaching interview. He'd never gotten hired. So, yeah, not an experienced head coach, to say the least. All right, Joe wrote us. He says, Rick, if the Bucks lose in the first round, what do you think the chances of Todd Bowles getting fired? Maybe he will realize Byron left, which needs to hit the road before that, but I'm starting to think his game managing is just as bad as Byron's play calling. Well, I, at this point, I think, I think maybe the bar he just has to clear is the is to get to the first round of the playoffs, man? I mean, listen this this could continue to spiral out of control. We might we might be in a flat spin, Maverick, because you know we'll be yelling, "Watch the canopy!" after a while. Because listen, uh, the expectation, the whole damn ball of wax was built around Tom Brady, Super Bowl baby, that. He ain't playing to get to the playoffs. Playoffs, he's playing to win a Super Bowl. Not to play, to win a Super Bowl, okay? Only reason he's here. And if you don't believe he can win it, then why are you going out and signing all these free agents? Why are you taking all this debt in future cap years? They, they're they going to be paying for this for three, four years down the road, okay? So it's a zero-sum game, man. Like, it's Super Bowl or bust. It's not playoffs or bust. But if you don't at least get to the first round and and win this division, which is the only way they're going to make the playoffs, by the way. They have to win the division. They're not a wild card team. They don't they won't have enough wins. Look at the NFC East right now. It's going to take every team. They all have winning records. They're all in the playoffs. But you have to get that first round game. That's where it starts for Todd Bowles. Like you fall short of that, anything's possible. Seriously. You know, blow them out, keep them. Tom retires, say, well, you know, you can take a sacrificial lamb year with Trask and Gabbert, whatever. But to me, the minimum he has to do, the very minimum, is get in the tournament. You don't get in the tournament, then I would say anything's possible at that point. But the tournament is big. It's really big. And and first round and a loss, there's still some ambiguity, right? How did it happen? You know, you fell short of your goal, but you know what? You lost, You won the first round a year ago, then lost after the wild card round. Is there really much difference? I mean, Brady will tell you, look, everybody's going home but one team that's happy. They're all unhappy. They all think they underachieved, and they all missed their goal. And it's true. 31 teams are going to be unhappy this year. Um, and he won't be happy unless he's in the big game and wins it. So, but I, but yeah, I would say – He's got to get at least to the first round. If he doesn't do that, anything's on the table. All right, Reed wrote us. He said, this question is to take nothing away from Tom Brady because we wouldn't trade these three years. But has Brady been knocked down a bit in the Brady versus Belichick argument with this season's play? In the past, he was always elevated lesser players, but now? Or is he getting a pass because of the very suspect offensive line and play calling that he seemed to ask for and got? I actually think that, that that whole thing ended when Brady won a Super Bowl. Think about what he did, right? 20 years in New England. 20 years in New England. And he he determines to become a free agent. 
Uh, and he knew going into that last year in New England that he was going to leave because he didn't have a contract. I think Kraft would have kept him. I'm not sure Belichick wanted to. But whatever the thing was, like, he decided, I'm out of here. And, and you know, remember the pick six and, you know, his last throw against Tennessee in the playoffs, and it, it was sad, right? It was like, well, that's that's how it ends. That's how Brady's career. And nobody really knew, you know, was he going to keep playing, was he going to show up somewhere else. But Tom Brady had a comeback, right? He's the greatest comeback quarterback of all time. So he comes back, and he doesn't just go anywhere. He goes to Tampa Bay, notorious, 12 seasons. Listen to me now, no playoff games. Not no playoff wins, 12 straight years, no playoffs, right? Two winning seasons in 12. Did they have talent? Yeah, they had talent. Um, was in a nice place on the East Coast. It checked a lot of boxes for Tom Brady, but... He came to this franchise, one of the losingest franchises in North American pro sports history, right? He took this group during COVID, okay, with a new coach, an entirely new offense that didn't resemble anything he did in New England, led the league in passing, led the league in touchdowns, I believe, and the tape fell on his head at the end of the year, and he won the Super Bowl, first team to do it in their home stadium. It's over. For Belichick, if you're, if you're playing this game of Belichick versus Brady, over. Did it in the first year on in, with this franchise. So, and, and what has Belichick done, by the way? I don't see any more rings on his fingers. I see one on Tom's. You know, Belichick's still trying to find a quarterback. Is Mac Jones that guy? I don't know. They're not going to win the East. They're not going to win the AFC, the AFC East. They haven't seen him, you know, win a playoff game. So, you know, everything is sort of recency bias and stuff like that. But don't forget what Brady did. I mean, what Brady did, it's over. That that Belichick, and by the way, go check out Belichick's record without Tom Brady. Very pedestrian, if not 500 or below. So there's that, okay? So, yeah, what has Brady done since he's left Belichick? Won a Super Bowl. Won a division title, got back in the playoffs, won a playoff game, and the defense, not Tom Brady, but the defense ended up giving it up to the Rams after Brady came back down, what was it, 24-3 to or something like that. So there's nothing that has tarnished Brady's image, and I don't think, to be to be honest, I think Belichick's still the greatest coach that ever lived too. Having said that, he's still trying to win a playoff game. This guy has jewelry, so... <laughs> It's over. All right, Greg tweeted. He says, in 2023, who do you think the head coach, offensive coordinator, and quarterback will be? This is a veteran team devoid of leadership, and they've underperformed. How do the Glazers have confidence that this staff can develop young players? Okay. Um, your head coach will be Todd Bowles. I know it's not going to excite a lot of you out there in Sports Day Tampa Bay land, but that's the truth. And... I don't have, you know, the crystal ball, or I, you know, I'd be living in a bigger house, and I would, you know, go to Las Vegas every weekend. This is just my guess, okay. Um, I think they'll have a new offensive coordinator. I I don't know if it's going to be somebody on the staff. I don't know that Clyde wants to do it. Clyde Christian, the quarterbacks coach. I don't know that, you know. Um, Harold Goodwin wants to do it, the run run game coordinator. It could be Thad Lewis, who was going to be the guy that 
was going to be the offensive play caller if, you know, Byron Leftwich got a head coaching job and Bruce Arians was a coach. If Bruce Arians came back to coach this team because Tom didn't unretire, Thad, Thaddeus Lewis was going to be his, co- his coordinator, assuming that Byron had moved on. I think at this point, Byron may have to move on. Now, it's not a guarantee either, okay, because we're looking at it through the prism of he's got Tom Brady and the expectations are just what they are, Super Bowl or bust, right? So he looks bad now all of a sudden. You know, when they were scoring 30 points a game for the first three years and Byron was a coordinator, no one gave him credit. They gave it to Brady the last, two of the last three years. It's because, oh, he's got Brady. and Brady's the one. That, and, so in, in, and then now when they're scoring 18 points a game, it's like, oh, that guy's terrible. Look how bad they are. That's his fault. He's a horrible coordinator. We didn't say anything good about him when he was scoring 30 a game. That was all some other guy. So having said that, I, I think one way or the other, whether he gets a head coaching job or he just says, you know, it didn't go well. Um, again, I, I could still see them saying, you're the guy to develop a Kyle Trask or you're the guy to handle a Blaine Gabbert. We like what you do. Go ahead and stick around. If I had to pick one of these guys to leave, it would probably be Byron Lew- Byron Leftwich. The quarterback is going to be a combination. It's going to be Gabbert, Trask, Trask, Gabbert. Take your pick, in my opinion. Now, they'll look around. They'll try to get a veteran. They'll they'll be in the sweepstakes for a Baker. You know, Maybe they say, hey, let's bring Baker Mayfield down here. Not going to cost us much. He, you know, former first-round pick. First overall pick, like maybe with better talent around him in a new environment, somebody, you know, Baker has pedigree. He's going to get another chance. Maybe they bring someone like that. Um, but for the most part, I think I think they kind of owe it to Trask in a way. In a weird way, I think they owe it to Trask for what he has sat back and endured. And look, they're not going to bring in free agents because they don't have any money. Uh, they're going to they're gonna have to get significantly younger as a team. Uh, they have to rebuild it sort of through the draft and around them. So I think Trask is probably the guy to do that. So I would I would go Bowles. Oh, just for argument's sake, I'll say Thad Lewis and Kyle Trask. And, that, 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 and listen, does that excite anybody? No, it doesn't. It's probably five or six wins, to be honest with you. But I think that's the way they're going to go. I don't think Bowles gets fired. That's just my prediction. All right, Les asks, Rick, should the Bucks look to extend Blaine Gabbert before the season ends? I can't see a way that Brady plays next year, at least not for the Bucks. And if he does move on, as it stands now, Kyle Trask is the only quarterback under contract for next year. Yeah, they won't extend Blaine. Blaine's a year-to-year guy. Um, I don't know whatever opportunities he had after this year, but he was, he's been a free agent each of the last couple of years. Uh, he's not played in quite a long time. Um, Made his money as a as a you know a pick by Jacksonville, but I, if Gabbert wants to play and he will, and he keeps himself in tremendous shape and he's got a gun for an arm, he's now been in the same offense for three years, and that's something that he didn't have his previous eight years or so. Uh, he had different coordinators all the time, so he knows this system inside and out. Um, I think you have relative confidence that if, if Blaine Gabbert hits the market as a free agent. And you have an opportunity, right? And Brady's gone. And you say to Blaine, look, we like Kyle Trask. We're going to give him every chance, but we need you to compete. And if you win the job, we'll play you. Gabbert's not getting that anywhere else. No one's going to say, hey, come in, compete for the starting job with this young player. No one's doing that. 
So to me, you don't have to sign him, jump out and sign him to an extension now. But you wait and kind of let the dust settle. See what Tom does. See what the landscape of, you know. Uh, and by the same token, if you hired or <clears throat> you made some trade for a quarterback that's established and he's your starter, you don't need Blaine, right? Like, at that point, Trask should be ready to be the backup no matter what. So I, they won't extend him, but he's definitely going to be in the conversation. All right, Ghost Snarf tweeted, How much of Leonard Fournette's contract is guaranteed in 2023 and 2024? I'm hoping none. He's lost a step. All right, well, I mean, first of all, you can cut any player and, and, and take the cap hit, and that's not always a great thing to do because they're over the cap as it is. But what, what Leonard Fournette really signed, um, even though I think it was a three-year deal or, or is touted as a three-year deal, is, is he signed a two-year $14 million contract. Um, there's, what, $1.5 million of dead cap money that could be involved. Um, but basically he got, he got a roster bonus. He got four and a half million fully guaranteed, kind of like a signing bonus, if you will. So that's the money in his pocket. That's cash. And then he'll earn the rest of that half of that this year. So most of his money for this year is already in his pocket. But if you're going to guarantee, if you're going to have $14 million, you're out, your potential out is after, is after next season after the 2023 season, not 2024. So could you cut him? Yeah. Would you have to pay him something? Sure. And take another cap hit? Not good. Um, but my guess is, unless he becomes a pain in the butt to deal with in meeting rooms, on a practice field, and he has sulked before, um, my guess is he's he's going to play at least one more season. After that, I would say no. I don't think he comes back beyond. Now let's see. You know, he's kind of nicked up now. He missed the last three games of the regular season a year ago, missed the playoff game against Philadelphia. If you start seeing that creeping up, then maybe you just, you know, maybe you just absorb the dead money and as much of it as you can next year for all these guys um, just because you're going to be younger. But seems to me he's still productive enough when healthy that he'll get the second year. He won't get the third year, I don't think, but he'll get he'll get 2023. All right, we'll end on this one, and Greg had tweeted us. He says, I'm traveling to Tampa from Costa Rica for the Bucks next game, which happens to be his 55th birthday. Where's the best place you've ever been to on your birthday to cover a sporting event, and what is the one gift you could give to the Bucks as they finish out this season? Um, my birthday's in May, so I've never traveled with a team or, or someplace like that um, to see a sporting event. Where have I been on my birthday? That's great. You got some big sporting events in May you could go to. What, like the Indy 500? What Indy are we 500, talking about? Kentucky Derby, Coca-Cola 600. They've moved, what, the PGA Championship into May now? Is this a bucket list thing, or is this where I've I don't know. He just, he just asked what the best place you've been. I'm just saying that, you know, in the future, yeah. you could go to some big time My bucket events. list, I do have on my bucket list, and, and, and look, it's down on the list, but I, got, I do have the Kentucky Derby. I think that'd be fun. That is a blast. One, one, is it good? Yeah. Because I've never been. Yeah, I, was, I, hope I went, it's good. Uh, what, three years, three straight years we went. Oh, I hope it's good. Time. Yeah. That's good to hear because I, I really I have a lot of a lot of faith that that's a good day. Um, so I'd like to do that. Indy 500, I'm not into, I'm not into racing. I'm sorry. I've, I've been to the Speedway. I'm just mm, kind of okay with it. I'll watch it. And I think it has its place. But um, So my birthday, my birthday month is like mostly like baseball and stuff like that. So. It's Baseball, like you got you got hockey playoffs and NBA playoffs at that time too. So, yeah, yeah, 
I mean, I just like I like to travel. I mean, I've, I've had I've been fortunate. I think I've said this on this podcast before. I've gotten to go all over the country, certainly all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, do I have a favorite place that I've been? You know, Paris is nice. I mean, we go to Hawaii all the time, so I'm I'm. You know, that's sort of my retreat, if you will. It's a long way. And people always go, why well, way out there? You have a beach here. And it's true, but it's not true. There's nothing like Hawaii, in my opinion. Like it, you, I've been to the Bahamas. I've been in the Caribbean. I, you know, I haven't been everywhere. I'd like to go to Bermuda. There's some places I'd like to see. Hawaii is Hawaii, man. It just, it's just different over there. Um, but, you know, yeah, no, I... Sporting events tied to my birthday or being away on my birthday specifically, can't remember anything that would pop in my head. But this town, if you're coming from Costa Rica to Tampa on your birthday and you're going to watch a Bucks game, that's going to be great, man. You're going to love it here. I mean, this is always, you know, and I've traveled around the NFL, so I got, I've been able to see all 31 other, you know, cities, stadiums, uh, sample the culture, the, the, the Tampa Bay trip, no matter where you're coming from, has to be, has to be one of the best trips there is. And, and it's, you know, you've got the Gulf Beaches, if you want to sample that, a half hour away. You fly into TAA, the stadium is 10 minutes, 5 minutes away. There's a ton of hotels and restaurants in between TIA and Raymond James Stadium. I mean, a ton, right? Big, beautiful mall there. It's you go downtown, right on the waterfront. You go to St. Mm-hmm. Pete, which is phenomenal. I know guys that stay at like the Epicurean when they come here. Like there is, there there can't be a much better trip in the NFL than Tampa, especially if you're coming from up north where it's cold, right? Something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the best there is. So, congrats to you if you're coming from Costa Rica. You're going to love it, and you're going to find it to be incredibly uh, convenient for you as well. Those are great questions. I had to think about those. They're all answered 100% correctly. Your money back. Uh, just uh, go ahead and text Steve about that if you'd like to or uh, hit him up on at Sports Day Tampa Bay. Uh, we've got to uh, remind you folks, if you're looking to save money on your energy bill, this is no joke now. It's an investment. Initially, it pays you back off in spades. Uh, it's May Electric Solar. They guarantee their labor 30-year uh, wor- warranty for their services and workmanship, $750 worth of surge protection. You can't go wrong with these folks in Billy May. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts, May Electric Solar. Here's the number, 727-819-2862. We've got Matt Baker talking college football. Oh, boy. And all the conference tournaments and championships and who's going to go to the big game. And we got... Uh, what are we just this, this is the last week, right? I mean, this is uh, conference championship week, and then it's yeah. just bowl games after that. Well, you get Army Navy next weekend. That's correct. That's and then correct. you get the bowl games. So and then the bowl games. So yeah, we're we're through a God, wow man through a college football season, and yet there's still seven weeks left in the NFL. Go figure. Anyway, Matt Baker tomorrow. Great day. Thanks for listening. Great questions for Steve Versnick. Uh, I'm Rick Stroud, the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.